so nice to be with you again, Calvary Edmonds. Every time I do come, I, I just am so blessed to see your growth and what God, hear about what God is doing. Um, yeah, and I always want to say thank you. You guys have been supporting Christine and I for a long time. <laughs> and uh, you pray for us, uh, you stand with us, you give to us, and I'm deeply blessed by your, your love. Thank you very, very much. Um, as I was asked, Pastor Joel asked me to come and share, and I was asking God about, okay, Lord, what should I share? I, you know, I'm not here doing, go, we're not going through a book because I'm not part of that, but um, this is a one-off. So I asked, Lord, what should I share? And I felt like the Lord was talking to me about integrity in the life of a believer. Oh, wow, there it is. <laughs> okay, I can see it. <laughs> wow, fantastic. And so as we get into this subject of integrity, many times this can be a little felt heavy, can feel, mm, boy, I don't know if I want to hear this. Oh, no, what have I not done? Or what did I do? What should I have confessed? And we start feeling very heavy. But my prayer that is today that we would not feel heavy. But instead, we would feel uplifted with fresh hope and courage for what God wants to do in us as a church in the body of Christ, both locally and internationally. I just got back from Pakistan. Um, I was there for almost a month, and we were training uh, 28 Pakistani leaders, and we in a live-in situation. We I had seven guys in, in a dorm situation. So, I mean, at 67, that's not easy, <laughs> but it was good. And, but the, most, the, the, the thing that I loved the most was just how hungry these men and women were to, to grow in God and to walk more in God. And, and the Lord dealt with us in times when we just had to quiet our hearts. It stood in awe wow, God is in this place and he was moving and ministering and, and to be able to share life with these Pakistani brothers and sisters who have gone through so much. One of the brothers, he is um, a missionary and he was arrested for 52 days. He was in police custody and he was beaten and tortured for his faith. And... Yet he's still faithful, but he struggles with deep feelings of fear and even depression. And I spent time with him and his wife. I spent many hours meeting with people, praying over people, listening to their story, and then, and then trying to bring a, a word of encouragement to them. It was such a it was such a joy to be in Pakistan. Pakistan, 96% Muslim, hostile to, the, for, to Christians, 1% Christian, 2% Hindu. This is a country in which God is beginning to move in a powerful ways. As a matter of fact, in the very same location where we were operating for a month, now they're running a discipleship training school and they have over 40 young people coming to learn about Jesus. That is so cool. I love it. So we're going to talk about integrity. 
Integrity in the life of believers. First of all, God is looking for men and women of integrity. In 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the Bible says this. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Let's pray. Lord, we want our hearts to be fully committed to you. We want our hearts to be yours. And so, Lord, we open our lives up this morning to what your word teaches about integrity, Lord. What, what would you want to say to us about integrity, Lord? Lord, we, we invite you to judge our hearts and our lives. Lord, give us eyes that can see and ears that can hear and hearts that can understand and respond to the dealings of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us and we pray this in Jesus' name. So God is looking for men and women who he can use for his future plans and purposes. I tell you, it's an exciting time to be alive. God is working all over this planet in many, many ways. In a few weeks time, my wife and I will be traveling to Kazakhstan and I'll be the speaker at a, uh, a, a conference for our people from Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan and it's a missionary conference calling people to be involved in the great commissioning, equipping and challenging them to be involved. God is moving in incredible ways. In April, I'm going to the Democratic Republic of Congo, and I'll be there to preach the gospel. We're going to be going up to two pygmy tribes, high into the mountains, remote, um, very primitive, and we get to preach the gospel to them. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, we're believing that many will turn to Jesus. It's, 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 it's so exciting to be living for God. Amen? So he's looking for people with godly character. Remember the prophet Samuel when he was about to anoint the next king of Israel after God rejected King Saul's leadership? Well, God directed Samuel to go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. And God said to Samuel, I have chosen one of his sons to be king. And when Samuel saw Eliab, Jesse's eldest, he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. So let's look at 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. I always like that part because I'm really small in America. But when I go to Asia, I feel very big. <laughs> do, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So God doesn't look at the same qualities that men look at today. He isn't impressed by gifts, abilities to speak, natural leadership, maybe abilities, skills to sing or play an instrument. God focuses on the heart and the character, character of a person. He's looking for integrity. 
And when I say that, I'm not talking about looking for perfect people, because there aren't any. But he's looking for those who are teachable, humble, and quick to repent. Those who strive to walk in the fear of the Lord and have a servant's heart. People who are dead to themselves, listening to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit and quick to receive his conviction by living a lifestyle of forgiving and being forgiven. David said in Psalms 24, verse three and four, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. David's cry is, who can do it? Who are you looking for, Lord? And the Lord answers, it's for those who have clean hands and a pure heart. People who are walking in integrity with lives that glorify the Lord. So integrity is very important because it deals with all aspects of life. You can't walk in integrity in one area of your life, but not in another and still be a man or woman of integrity. Leaders who lack integrity in their personal lives can end up dragging God's name through the mud, bringing much shame and disgrace to God's kingdom work. Living without real integrity, well, it brings harm, but not only to ourselves, even to those whom we love. And it can cause deep confusion in the hearts of the young, even disgust and a turning away from God. So, because integrity involves all of life, let's think of some of the areas that are classic that we can think about in which integrity is very important. In our speech, the words that come out of our mouth, in the money, how we use it, who does it belong to? In sexual purity, one of the strongholds in Pakistan that I saw, um, I just got back a week ago, but one of the strongholds is what death and suicide was, was sort of a connected stronghold. And the next one, big one, was sexual immorality. Young people growing up in, uh, in a hopeless society, 96% Muslim, and they don't want God, they don't want things, and they're just going to sex, thinking it's okay. Another area is family. How do we deal in our families? How do we deal with people? Are we our moms, our dads, our kids, our grandkids? I have eight grandkids. And it's important how I treat them. In our outside relationships, friends, in the community, at work, at the job, at store, our work responsibilities, are we men and women of integrity at work? In using God's power as pastors, as leaders, as brothers and sisters in the Lord who go out to share the love of God, are we using his power in a way that brings joy to his heart? How about in keeping our promises or the entertainment, the things we watch or the time, how we use our time? 
So let's think about what is integrity. Well, first of all, it's defined as a quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. But it also refers to the state of being whole or undivided in your actions and your thinking. Integrity speaks about being on an outward and an inward journey towards godliness. It affects both our outward behavior and our inner heart attitudes. Integrity is being the same in heart, mind, and action. It really means being the same underneath as we are on the surface. Being the same person privately that we are in public. Not wearing a mask, not pretending to be someone we're not. Integrity speaks about being the same inside as we are on the outside. So if integrity means being honest, if it means being whole and undivided, then the opposite of integrity is really hypocrisy. And we know that hypocrites are those who look good on the outside, but on the inside, they are dishonest and divided in their moral behavior. Jesus said this in Matthew 23, 25 to 27. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. This is the next slide. For you cleaned the outside of the cup. You cleaned the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they're full of robbery and self-indulgence. Sorry, this is my old version and this is where I made a change. Thank you, Mr. Audio. <laughs> Sorry about that. They'll figure it out. You blind Pharisee first cleaned the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. This is Jesus speaking. Hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Friends, God hates it. When we put on a facade, a mask, pretending to be something we're not. He rebuked the religious leaders for being hypocrites. And he will do the same to us should we start living a double life. Let's look at some examples of how the Bible talks about integrity. One day, the Pharisees and the Herodians come to Jesus to catch him in his words and they were hoping they could find some fault in him so that they could condemn him. And in Mark chapter 12, verse 14, they came and said to him, teacher, we know you are truthful and defer to no one for you're not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay the poll tax to Caesar or not? Now, very interesting. That word for truthful here 
in the NIV is the word translated integrity. It says, teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. And that Greek word for truthful is alethes. And it can, and can be translated integrity in many different parts of the Bible. In fact, this same Greek word is used 25 times in the New Testament. And in one of the word, it's one of the words the Bible uses to translate the word integrity or truthful, but there's others. Jesus was a man of integrity. He was the same on the outside as he was on the inside. He taught the way of God in accordance with the truth. Even the Pharisees recognized this quality about Jesus. He had godly character all the time because he never sinned. And this made him different from everyone else. And the more we grow in maturity, the more we will become one, undivided in our commitment to godly character. The same on the inside as we are on the outside. So integrity speaks about character or who we really are in God's eyes. In 1 Kings chapter 9, we get the story of how God spoke to Solomon after he completed the building of the temple and his palace. And in 1 Kings 9 verse 1 to 4, it says, Now it came about, when Solomon finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all that Solomon desired to do, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time, as he appeared to him at Gibeon. The Lord said to him, I've heard your prayer and your supplication, which you have made before me. I've consecrated this house, which you have built by putting my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, Solomon, if you walk before me as your father walked in integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I've commanded you and will keep my statutes and, or, and, and my ordinances. Okay, it goes on to verse five, but before they get there, it says that Hebrew word for integrity here is the word tome. And it actually means to walk in completeness or to walk perfectly. So God made it clear that if he walked before him in integrity, as his father David had done, integrity of heart and in uprightness, obeying his commands, then in verse five it says, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. Just as I promised to your father David, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. So God promised that the result would be a continuance of God's reign through David's family line if Solomon chose to walk in integrity and uprightness in heart. Let's think about another story. In, an, in another reference to integrity in First Chronicles 29, David declares that he knew that God tried our hearts and was pleased with integrity. In 1 Chronicles 29, 17, he says, since I know, O oh my God, 
that you try the heart and delight in uprightness. I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy, I've seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. Now the New International Version says, I know that you're pleased with integrity. Here it says, you delight in uprightness. And the Greek word for uprightness or integrity is the word may share. And it means to be even, to be even or straight up, like perfect stature, straight. And that's the picture of, of honesty. It's a picture of not hiding, nothing to hide. You stand, this is me, I stand before you. And this erect vertical position speaks about honesty with who you are and with God. And God is pleased when he sees integrity or uprightness in our hearts. In Psalm 78, which talks about David's calling, uh, the Bible says this in verse 70 to 72. He also chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from the care of the ewes with suckling lambs, and he brought him to, the, to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he, meaning David, shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with skillful hands. The English Standard Version uses the word an upright in heart instead of the word integrity. So this is another description of what integrity is like. It speaks about someone who is upright in their heart towards God. David led his flock with integrity and an upright heart. And this needs to be one of our personal ambitions as believers in Christ today. David also longed for deep inward integrity in his walk with God. We know what happened after David committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had Bathsheba's husband Uriah the Hittite killed in battle. And when Nathan the prophet came to him and spoke to him about the sin and said, you are that man, David got the revelation of what he had done and the sin that he committed. And he began to cry out for forgiveness. In Psalms 51, it talks about, he says, wash me and cleanse me against you and you only have I sinned. Surely I was sinful at birth. And he, he goes on and on. And then almost in the middle of a repentance, he gives a statement about something that he believed. And it seems like it doesn't even fit in the rest of Psalm 51. And then verse six comes and it says this. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. NIV says you desired faithfulness in the womb. So truth in the innermost part. God is concerned about true. How true are we in our hearts? In that secret place where nobody else sees, only God knows. Are we walking in truth in our inner life, in our private world? So integrity deals with the hidden parts of our lives who are really, those parts are really who we are, but it's hidden so that others don't see it. Let's look at another one. In the story of Nehemiah, who rebuilt 
the wall and the gates of Jerusalem after it had been burned down. Nehemiah talks with some of his people about how he decided who he would be, who would be put into top level leadership positions. And he says in Nehemiah 7, 2, then I put Hanani, my brother, and Hananiah, the commander of the fortress in charge of Jerusalem. Reason here, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Again, This Hebrew word is translated integrity in the New International Version. So what we can see is that faithfulness is one of the outcomes of living a life of integrity. And you got to note here that faithfulness is linked with the fear of the Lord and integrity. They go together. In Psalm 7, verse 8, David says, the Lord judges the people. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. Now, what was David praying here? Well, he's praying, God, would you uphold me? Would you judge me? Would you justify me? Would you vindicate me according to what? His righteousness and his integrity. And righteousness and integrity are going together. Two different words, but it talks about the same sort of things. You see, David understood the value of integrity in the life of a leader, that it was absolutely essential, and I want to say it's absolutely essential for all of us, whether we're leaders or not. If we're going to be followers of Jesus in the kingdom of God, we must be men and women of integrity. In our our integrity becomes God's way of clearing us from any blame, any suspicion, any accusation that the enemy comes to attack. I tell you, if you're going to be radical for God, you're going to become a target for the enemy. And you can bet he will do everything to discredit you, to slander you, to speak to you, to cause suspicion among people, even those you're, lo- you're leading, you're loving. Because that's what he does. So David said, Would you vindicate me according to my righteousness and my integrity? You see, when we're considering who we are to put into leadership positions, who we are to give this responsibility, you need to ask the Lord, would you to look, help us to look at their faithfulness, their righteousness, their blamelessness, their integrity. So David saw integrity as one of the ways that God protects us from the enemy's attacks. In Psalms 25, verse 21, it says this, let integrity and uprightness preserve or protect me, for I wait for you. Solomon said in Proverbs 13, 6, righteousness guards the one whose way is blameless, but the wickedness subverts the sinner. The NIV says the person of integrity, righteousness guards the person of integrity. So the Greek word for blameless and integrity is again tome, and it speaks about completeness and moral purity. So blameless and integrity can be interchangeable. You, in order to be a man of integrity, you need to be a man who's walking blameless before the Lord. It doesn't mean you never sin. It means that when you sin, you're quick to 
to confess that sin, ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you and allow the blood of Christ to cleanse you from all impurity. And so another aspect of walking integrity is to be blameless. So integrity guards. Integrity protects us from the enemy's attacks. Well, let's go on. Integrity is rooted in righteousness. We know how important it is to be rooted firmly in God's word and his promises. We all do that. If our roots go down deep in God, then we can live a a healthy Christian life because we're drinking regularly from the water of, of life in Christ. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse three, it says, the integrity of the upright will guide them. So here we see integrity being a a component of getting God's guidance, of getting understanding of the way to go. Integrity of the upright will guide them, but the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. Now let's look at this word crookedness. The NIV says the, the same Greek word translated crookedness here is translated duplicity. Two, duplicity. And when our hearts are not rooted in righteousness, we start living a double life, which leads to destruction. And it's really hypocrisy. Not being the same in your private life as you are in your public life. Now, Jesus spoke so strongly to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law about this issue, about living a double life of duplicity, of crookedness, which speaks of deception in speech and conduct. It's double dealing. It's falsehood. It's unfaithfulness and crookedness. It's duplicity and it will destroy us. So if there's any duplicity in your life, anything you've hidden, a part of life that nobody knows, and then a part of life that people do know, it will destroy friends. Don't allow it to stay in your life. God wants to bring you to a new freedom in Christ. Duplicity is being one is being one thing on the outside and something else on the inside. It's wearing a mask that covers up the real you. It's like living a double life. Let me tell you the story of something that happened to us. We're down in India, you don't know anybody. And a man named Bharat, he was a missionary leader. He was an amazing husband, at least it seemed like it. He had great potential, good teacher, good understanding of the word. And he was such a good outward example that we were considering asking him to take the leading of our discipleship training programs. But his immediate leader just had a check in his heart. He said, I don't get it. I have nothing against Bharat, but I just don't feel it's right. And so we listened to the check. We didn't put him in that position. What we didn't know is that Bharat was living a double life. That's right. He was serving God during the week, but on his own time, he was gambling. And he went into deep debt. And not even his wife knew about what was happening. He would go out, saying, I'm going out to do ministry, and she had two kids, and she stayed home, and they came back, and she thought he was doing what he's supposed to do. Well, one day he got in such bad debt that he went to a lady 
in this city of Bangalore uh, who had been a supporter of his family before and actually given him money. And he said, listen, I'm in debt. I need money. Can you help me? And, and she said, I'm sorry, Bart. I can't do it this time. And we don't know what happened, but in anger, he killed her with a knife. This man we were considering to be a leader of our training. We were not being stupid, we just didn't know. It was a double life. And friends, these kinds of leaders might look good outwardly, but they're really dangerous people to have in your team or your ministry or your church. You see, skills can be learned, but someone without godly character will be like a puppet in the hands of the enemy. Teachable people can be instructed, they can be taught, but without real integrity, a person is not ready to be any kind of a leader in the body of Christ. Think about the biblical qualifications. There's 14 biblical qualifications we read in 1 Timothy and Titus. 14 of them, almost all of them have to do with some aspect of integrity. They don't say the word integrity, but that's what it is. Above reproach, the husband above one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to too much wine, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, must manage his own family well, not a new Christian, must have a good re reputation with outsiders. Those 14 biblical qualifications really speak about integrity. It's really about character. Notice it doesn't say must be uh, able to play the guitar and sing very nice or must be able to read the Bible and teach very nice. It doesn't even say that, although we're supposed, we have to be able to teach. That's part of it. So let, let's continue thinking about integrity. Integrity can be lost. You remember in the story of Job, God speaks to Satan about the integrity of his servant Job. And, and Satan says this in Job 1, verse 9 through 12. Satan answers the Lord, huh, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And then the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed and left the presence of God. And we know what happens. We know the story. Satan strikes all of Job's herds, his flocks, and even his servants were killed and then sends a windstorm that knocked down the house where his kids were feasting and they all die. Job 1, verse 20 to 21. When Job heard all this, he rose and he tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell down to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, Job maintained his integrity even though his life had fallen apart in an instant. Then again, the, 
There's another picture in the heavenlies and the Lord says to Satan, have you considered Job 2 verse 3, my servant Job? For there's no one on earth like him on earth, a blameless an upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil, and he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Satan answers, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. However, you put forth your hand now and touch his bone, touch his flesh, touch his body, and he'll curse you to his face. And so God allows Satan to attack Job's physical body. But he said, you must spare his life. And again, through all the terrible, terrible things that happened to Job physically, he maintains his integrity. He refused to give up on being truthful, on being faithful, on being blameless and undivided in his devotion to God. He was living a lifestyle of integrity. Now, just because you're a person of integrity today doesn't necessarily mean you'll be one tomorrow. We need to watch out for the little foxes that can ruin the vine. That's what the Bible says. How do we handle times of temptation and trials? When hard times come, we get the opportunity to check our hearts. When injustice comes, how do we respond? Many years ago, I was living in Nepal and it was in the early days, my kids were small. We had probably been in Nepal about six or seven years by that point. And um, I, I, of course we had visas and I had the, op, the responsibility to bring my passports, all my family's passports in and begin the process of getting a visa. So one month before my visa is going to expire, I go to the immigration office, bring them all in and they said, come back tomorrow. So I came back tomorrow. They said, sir, it's not ready. Come back in a week. So I came back in a week. Sir, it's not ready. Come back in another week. This went on for six months. Six months, we had no passport. Six months, we couldn't leave the country. Six months, we were like refugees in the land of Nepal. And then at six, after six months, uh, we were given a, a, a message saying, come back in, your visas are ready. So we came back in and they said, you can get your visas, but you have to pay $6,000 in fines. $6,000 in fines! Because they said, your, your visa is late. It wasn't late. We gave it to you beforehand. $6,000 in the 90s was an giant amount of money, especially to us living in Nepal. I mean, that was astronomical amount of money. We never got money like that. And we were, we were angry angry in our hearts. It was so unjust. It was so unrighteous. And then out of all I can say is we actually, this sounds too good to be true, but it happened. We got a check from an anonymous person for 6,000 U.S. dollars. We had never received that kind of money. Never. And yeah, we cashed it. We gave it to the corrupt immigration officials and and we said, Lord, we are not, we are not going to allow bitterness. We are not going to fight this. Lord, that money, you wanted to give it to us, and we had to give it to them. But Lord, we are going to maintain our integrity no matter what. Are you going to be ready to do that? Will your responses to difficult times show that you 
are a man or woman of integrity. So let's look at some of the ways we can lose our integrity. Someone once said, if you've lost your integrity, you have lost everything. Christian ministry is very difficult and there are many traps and the enemy sets before us many disappointments and discouragements and we can lose our integrity through suffering, disappointment, anger, pride, defensiveness, selfish ambition, disobedience, persecution, failure and sin, death of a loved one, greed, attacks of the enemy. In all these ways, we can... God gets a chance to see what are the cracks in our emotional makeup. What do we, what does he, he lets us to see what he sees in us that we don't see. So God wants to learn how to maintain our integrity like Job because integrity can be lost. So how do we maintain integrity? Let's continue on. Number one, by being doers of God's word. Learning to obey putting into practice, walking in truth, not being like the foolish man, but like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Number two, we can maintain our integrity by asking for more of the fear of the Lord in our lives. The fear of the Lord causes to hate sin with the same hatred that God has for sin. And number three, we can maintain our integrity by keeping a soft heart towards God's instructions and his convictions. Like King Josiah, when he heard the judgment of the prophetess Huldah and that the judgment was coming, he tore his robes and wept openly in front of people and he repented on behalf of himself and his nation. That kind of soft heart towards God keeps us from moving toward hardening of hearts. And let me tell you, as you get older, it's easier and easier and easier to become hard in our hearts. Don't allow it to happen. Don't allow it because it'll keep us from hearing God, the Holy Spirit's conviction. It will, it will keep us, it'll be like, we will be like Samson, who at the end of his life, when he got, he had his hair cut off and he didn't even realize when he got seriously burned. He had played with temptation for so long. He didn't even realize when he got really hurt from God. Let's be men and women who keep a soft heart towards God's instructions and his conviction. Number four, we can maintain our integrity by asking the Holy Spirit regularly to search our hearts for areas of sin. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Friends, we don't know our hearts. We don't know our heart. We don't know your friend's heart. So we need to ask God to search us. And, and just Jeremiah 79, it says, the heart is more deceitful than all else. Who can des and desperate seek? Who can understand it? Answer, no one except God. And so we need to allow him to, sec to do regular integrity checks, checking out our intentions, our motivations, our character, so that we can be quick to repent when we need to repent. And number five, we can maintain our integrity by walking in accountability and deep friendship with one other prayer partner. Learning to, be learning to be honest, praying together, standing together. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Koinonia and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Friends, it's so important to have a prayer partner. Do you have a prayer partner today? If so, I don't 
you don't have to, not, doesn't mean everybody has to come to Pastor Joel. Just brother to brother, sister to sister, a prayer partner who you can stand together with and, and be honest and know that what you share is held in confidentiality. And that will bring a strength. It says the, uh, the, the, a three-stranded cord is very strong. So when you, a brother and Jesus, or you, a sister and Jesus, stand together in committed friendship and believing the best and praying for one another, it's a powerful bond that the enemy cannot easily break. And finally, we can maintain our integrity by leaving according to the power of the Holy Spirit. Bible says, but, if, but I say walk by the Spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. We need to walk by the Spirit. It says if you're living according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the, dis, the, the deeds of the body, you will live. So we just make sure we're walking by the power of the Holy Spirit. Finally, let's move on to God rewards integrity. David said in Psalms 41, as for me, you will hold me in my integrity and you set me in your presence forever. God upholds those who walk in integrity. Think about the life of Joseph. He didn't lose his integrity when he's faced with many tests, such as the test of injustice, when his brothers sold him as a slave into Egypt. Nor did he lose it when he's tempted by Potiphar's wife and again treated wrongfully and being thrown into a prison. And he continued to maintain his integrity when the two officials of Pharaoh's palace were thrown into the same prison and put under Joseph's supervision. They both have dreams. Joseph interprets them. He says, remember me, but they forgot him. And he spent years alone, forgotten in prison, but he never lost his integrity. Think about David, that anointed leader of Israel. He had to flee for his life as a fugitive from the law. He was tested over and over, even given chances to take things in his own hands, but he refused to lay a hand on God's anointed. This commitment to integrity resulted in him becoming one of the greatest leaders of the Old Testament, a man after God's own heart. So walking in integrity, really it's the only right way to live. And Jesus said in Luke 8, 17, for nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to the light. Jesus said in Luke 12, 2, he says, but there's nothing covering up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Friends, all of us will have to give an account to God. And the good news is that we can have everything dealt with before that day. We can be made into a vessel that he can use for his glory. So let's make a commitment to walk in integrity every day. So the beauty of God in us, the pearl of God, which is the hope of glory, Christ in us, will be seen by others. And we need to remember that God is ready to help us walk in integrity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, I love this verse. Jesus, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus. He will keep you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you to the end, keep you blameless. Jude 24 and 25 says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in his presence 
of his glory, blameless and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time, now and forever. You see, Jesus is ready to help us walk in integrity. He doesn't just put a bunch of things out there and says, you're on your own. No. And he knows you, we cannot do it. We cannot change ourselves. We do not have the ability to change our hearts. But if we will surrender to him, if we allow him to judge our lives, if we will choose his ways above our ways and put him first and say, I want to be a man or a woman of integrity, then he will open the door for his transforming power in our lives so that we will become more like him in everything we say and we do. And finally, one day we're gonna hear the master say, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful to few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Lord, friends, I just feel today, in today's world, character, integrity, blamelessness, uprightness, faithfulness, truthfulness are things that God is looking for. And he wants to build those qualities in us more and more and more. To the, late, to the last breath, he wants to change us and mold us more into his image. So let's surrender. Let's walk with him. And let's pray for more of the fear of the Lord in our lives that we could be men and women of integrity. Amen?